Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coronation.com, hosted by JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko. My co-host, as always, is Hoss Reuter. Hoss, how are you, sir? I'm doing well tonight. How are you? I'm doing well. I wish we had some some recapping to do, but all we oh. could recap is the weather, uh, which robbed Nebraska of the the first game of their football season mother nature is undefeated <laughs> and you know what uh, to, by that same token so is the huskers uh you know i think we all had positive feelings against uh, the akron zips akron didn't want to stop i'm not casting stones or anything but they, they didn't want to stick around and find out what might have been uh so they got the hell out of dodge so we have to turn the page ourselves and we are fortunate to bring in. We, now, I'm glad this worked out because last week we were supposed to have somebody from HustleBelt.com, the uh, uh, the MAC conference uh, SB Nation site. They canceled at the last minute. A couple days later, the game gets canceled. So I'm glad that we're able to have a uh, a member of the Colorado Buffaloes uh, SB Nation site, which is the Ralphie Report. Jeff Hauser is uh, joining us. Jeff. Welcome to the show, and uh, congratulations on Buffalo's uh, 1-0 starts to the season. Well, thank you guys for having me, and we are, we are now at Colorado and Nebraska in September. It feels weird saying that, but alas, here we are pushing forward. It's, it's not turkey week like we're normally used to, but eight years down the road, two separate conferences, and we're talking about rekindling a rivalry that has gone back to the beginning of what I think is where football really started, but the late 1800s, <laughs> it's really weird to even say that, but as Colorado and Nebraska, it's Colorado's second oldest rivalry to Colorado State, who they beat last weekend in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting week for CU all the way around, and I, I can't wait for this rivalry game to get kicked off. I, I'm glad you brought up the fact that you know Nebraska, Colorado. You know, for as long as long as I've been a fan, and, and certainly longer than that, it was the the you know the Black Friday game. It was the day after uh, Thanksgiving. It was it was the game before Black Friday. In my opinion, was even you know a, a big you know shopping spree day. Do you know off the top of your head? When the last time was that these two teams met before, uh, you know, any, any time, you know, that was not on that, you know, day after Thanksgiving date? I don't know right off the top of my head. I know in terms of the storied rivalry, this series within itself goes back to 1898, which is the year that the Spanish-American War happened. And even back then, Colorado was playing high school teams and athletic clubs so Nebraska was kind of their premier matchup. So uh, to answer your question, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting to, to find that out. Maybe later in this podcast I can, I, I can kind of text someone or ask someone to see that. But when you have an opponent like you do with these two teams who have played regularly through the past 80 years, I mean, it wasn't a yearly event until Colorado joined the Big Seven Conference back in 1948. But to have these two teams back playing each other, I think that it, it's good for college football and it's good for both neighboring states. Well, thanks to my uh, watching a bunch of old Nebraska-Colorado games on YouTube this past week, uh, last time we didn't play Colorado on Black Friday was 95 when Amon Green took the first play of the game for a touchdown. Very, very interesting. 95. I, I would have guessed it would have been a lot later than that, uh, especially thinking that, well, 95 would make sense because that was the years when Colorado was getting away from their more traditional schedule and playing 
a tougher non-conference schedule and including Nebraska within that due to their streaks of winning national championships in and around that time. And it's also, you know, on the historical note, like you said, Jeff, uh, 1898 was the first year that these two teams met. Um, obviously, the world has changed. Football has changed. Uh, but you got to think, you know, as you said, the, the Spanish-American War, the charge up San Juan Hill, so much. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy, that's right. Uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt. But so much, it, it's it, in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's 120 years. It's It's a blink of an eye. But man, the, the the world has come a long way in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely has, especially for these two teams in the last 120 years, and how far that we've come back when you had college football wasn't really a staple for for young men. I mean, it was kind of just a, a it was a program. It was it, it was really just a hobby more than anything. You know, they they went out and just had fun doing and playing football and I, I i pulled up the old news article from that day from the omaha world herald and the t- the title of the article read nebraskans defeat boulder because at that time fred folsom who was the coach and player for colorado and the namesake of folsom filled uh, as it would come later there was no name for the, the colorado team they were still trying to find a name and, of course, as you guys would know, the Nebraska Bug Eaters would be the ones that would defeat this no-name team of the University of Colorado from Boulder. So very, very crazy to see that we've come that far in history over the last 120 years and to see where we are now. You know, I think uh, the, the history books will show that Nebraska's probably undefeated against no-name teams. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh <laughs> Let's let's talk a little bit about that Rocky Mountain Showdown uh, that was last Friday, uh, the last day of August. You yeah, congratulations! You got to play your game, uh, and you got to watch your team uh, uh, take down Colorado State forty-five thirteen. What were some big moments in that game for you as as a fan and as somebody who you know follows the team and and uh, you know as, as as a journalist and 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 writes about the team? What were what were some big moments uh, that? that stick out in your memory about that, uh, that game last Friday night? I think the game overall, you look at what Colorado did against their in-state rival, Colorado State, and they beat them pretty handily, 45-13. to 13. Colorado State the week before, they had a week zero matchup against Hawaii, so there was a lot to break down film-wise that Coach McIntyre could gather from that game, but it, it was two very offensive-driven teams in Hawaii and Colorado State that just beat each other up out on the gridiron, but to, to see that and to see how Colorado State's defense played, there was a lot of exposure to what Colorado's offense could do. And I think Coach McIntyre and the co-offensive coordinators of Darren Chivarini and Clayton Adams knew that. And then, you know, this Buffs offense has a lot of key weapons that they use. And the way that Darren Shiverini has built this offense is more of an air, style, air raid style type of offense that he had at Texas Tech, and he's kind of adopted that into the style of play that the Buffs have currently. And what I took away from this was Stephen Montez put together a solid game, and that really it, it has started from the off season, moving into the season. You know, the Manning Passing Academy, and you know, hearing things. Like um, the the Mannings had called Coach McIntyre personally to say, Stephen Montez is a really quality kid. He's he really has that knack of what's going on at the quarterback position. But he spent the entire off season learning his position a lot better, and and it showed last Friday night. I mean, he set a school record for the highest completion percentage per fifteen attempts at eighty eight percent. He only had three incompletions with 338 passing yards and five total touchdowns, which shattered the record that was previously set by Cordell Stewart at Baylor in, two, in 1992. excuse me. So in seeing that, I, I see a quarterback who's well put together, improving his craft, but then you have the receiving talents of Katie Nixon, LaVisca Chenault, who has really emerged into his starting role, 
had 11 receptions for 211 yards, including an 89-yard touchdown uh, catch and run. It was it was great to see those type of plays, the big plays from Steven Montez in the offense. But then the bus rushing attack of Trayvon McMillian, I I was really interested to see how he would do being the transfer from Virginia Tech to come into Colorado and get named into that starting role as a graduate transfer. But him and Kyle Evans and Bobby Sherrard, they they really beat up CSU's defense on the ground to the tune of 214 yards and a score. You know, it was it was a good, solid effort all the way around. But then on the opposite side of the ball, you know, CU's defense really surprised me. I think that there were a lot of positives of what they did in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. You know, Nate Landman being the tackle machine at his linebacker spot. You know, he looked really good and even had an interception in the game. It, it wasn't surprising for us as journalists and us who follow this team and cover this team because we've been seeing this in practice. But the, the unknowns to the outside world was how do you take a bunch of guys that are new to a starting rotation who are junior college players, some of them, like uh, Davian Taylor, uh, who's a very talented, what we call a buff backer, and he splits time at safety as well as at linebacker in that hybrid role, you know, he was one of the top JUCO players that got recruited by Colorado. I think he's going to have one heck of a season for the Buffs. But then you have guys like Rick Gamboa, who's a senior leader on this team, and, you know, guys like Javier Edwards, who's that big guy up on the defensive line who forces plays to be made around him. But then uh, the, the thing that I kind of found interesting in all this was the play of the, the corners. We knew Dante Wigley and Trey Udolfia, the starting corners for the Colorado Buffaloes, were going to have good games. But then to complement them, you had a guy like Delrick Abrams, a transfer who we've seen before, if, or if you watched the Netflix series Last Chance U, we saw him in the secondary. And, I mean, Delrick Abrams played really lights out. They call him Slim. And he actually got the praise of Mike McIntyre in the post. And it, it was good to see how this team put that win together. But now they go into Lincoln with a lot of unknowns, not having game film to even scratch the surface. I mean, I, I've, even, I've even heard rumblings and heard from Coach McIntyre throughout the week that they're using Central Florida's game film to try and break down what could be in this matchup. But... This is, a, this is a matchup where you have two very similar styles on both sides of the ball. So I, I can expect it's going to be a very close game. It's going to be a tough battle down in the trenches, and, and I can't wait to see how both teams adapt. Yeah, just looking at the, some of the stats for Colorado from that game, 596 yards of total offense on 65 snaps for 9.1 yards per play. That's some serious output. And um, how much has the offense changed uh, with Darren Shiverini taking over that co-offensive coordinator role since, say, 2016, uh, the year Colorado won the Pac-12 South? Well, it hasn't changed, but it's gotten better. I mean, mm-hmm. the scheme has always been eerily similar, but to have a guy like Shiverini who's brought in his style – who's recruited the type of players that would fit his style of offense, that's where rubber meets the road. And I, I look at, like, Steven Montez, who's a great dual-threat quarterback, who stepped in as a freshman and did great things in relief of Stephen Lufau at, at Oregon and had set uh, CU records there for being a quarterback who passed for 300 and ran for 100 in the same game. I mean... The, this style of offense is a very up-tempo base, a, a lot similar to what Scott Frost ran at Central Florida and what we're predicting he's going to run at Nebraska. When you break it down, though, you, you've got the receiver, you've got the, the threat to receiver, but the style of running that they've had, and especially with Trevor McMillian, if, if that continues, I just, I see kind of an intersection where you're going to have to incorporate more 
more of a a running style. And Colorado's offense is very pass happy, so you're going to have to integrate the two. And with Philip Lindsay departing to the NFL, McMillan fills in that role that was left by Lindsay. And Lindsay picked up a lot out of the backfield, a lot of passes. So I can see them integrating that into the game as well. But just as this first game has kind of rolled off the shoulders, I, I see them really pushing forward towards having a pass-happy style still, integrating more of a, a run factor into the game. Jeff, you mentioned you know the, the lack of game film and that uh, the Colorado staff and probably you know many Colorado fans to try to familiarize themselves with what Nebraska may do is looking at some uh, some UCF stuff probably from last year uh, to kind of you know just get an idea and and everybody's prepping for the up tempo uh, you know offensive you know game plan from from Scott Frost but Haas and I know the truth and we know that. It's a pretty thin playbook for Scott Frost, right, Hoss? He he runs uh, six plays, the split veer. <laughs> well, maybe not quite a split veer, but it's definitely an economy of concepts. And that's where you're supposed to chime in and say, just because it's like Novocaine. It's like Novocaine. <sighs> Hoss, drop the gotcha. ball. Right. All right. Um, so, yeah. as from from the fan standpoint. I don't know if you had intentions of watching the the Nebraska Akron game this past uh, Saturday night. I know we certainly were very excited for it. You know, it was going to be the beginning of the Frost era, and the only game film that we have is a touchback. Uh, so, what's going on in your mind as far as you know the unknowns and and, and what you may or may not see from the Nebraska Cornhuskers Saturday night or Saturday afternoon? Well, I, I don't think there's a lot of unknowns. I think that there's a lot of speculation. I think that what Scott Frost is trying to integrate with Troy Walters, the offensive coordinator for Nebraska, is more of the up, up-tempo type triple option style, more of a uh, carbon copy of what Chip Kelly used to run at Oregon. I think that that is still the same look that they're going to give. And, and really when you break down that type of style, what you're really looking for is just to see how DJ Elliott, the defensive coordinator for Colorado, is going to prepare this defense and how they can decipher in between the sweep read and the option and how really, you know, Troy Walters is very good at disguising all of this at the line. He's notorious for it. So uh, what what's going to become key is how the true freshman quarterback Adrian Martinez is going to really will the CU linebackers to try and play closer to the line and in hopes to shift direction successfully. I mean, that's really how the bread and butter is on this offense and how everything is run. So I think the base concept that we've seen at Oregon is going to be adapted again here in Nebraska and into their style. But the difference is really how Walters and Frost are they're going to kind of have their alignments and free snap movements. That's, that's what I'm looking for. And I'm, I'm going to see how Walters is going to try and draw that extra defender towards the line of scrimmage and what will become more of a, a quicker no huddle attack and how he's going to try and force this Colorado defense to react quickly. And the saving grace for the Buffs defense is they're very well coached and they know how to line up correctly in multiple formations. That's something that Scott Frost has said earlier this week that he really noticed on game film was that you don't see these Buffalo defenders out of place very often. And I think that for Nebraska, their their primary offense will be those zone reads and sweeps. And it's, it's going to be that type of style for throughout the entirety of Scott Frost being at, the, at Nebraska. And I don't think that you can draw anything away from it, but that, and the film that you have for central Florida, I think you can break down very effectively and see, you know, how, just how other teams have played them. You know, granted they did go undefeated last year and they did have a, a good win against Auburn and, the Peach Bowl, but when you really start breaking down 
this personnel grouping with that style of offense or defense, you know, what have you, for whatever is going to be run. I, I think you really have to take into account that the personnel grouping isn't what Scott Frost had at Central Florida last year. And that's something that I think the Buffaloes are, that's the unknown out of all this is, yes, you may see the players, but how do you see these players fitting in this scheme mm-hmm. for Scott Frost and this offense? I, you took the words right out of my mouth about personnel and, you know, you can have it on film, but you don't know how it's going to fit in with the current personnel. And um, a lot of Nebraska fans around here have mentioned how Colorado doesn't have game tape since our game against Akron was canceled. I'd much rather have the execution and the game reps from a game than having unknown, you know, unknown quantity from the game. And uh, that's uh, it's kind of a scary, scary thing going into this game because Colorado flush with good athletes, especially, you know, defensively knowing how to line up and nothing's going to shock them too much formation wise in the wide open pack 12, they see just about all of it. So, uh, kind of have to give Colorado a little bit of a, I hate to say this, pains me to say anything nice about Colorado, but got to give them a little bit of an advantage there of knowing how to line up and having a game's worth of game reps under their belt. I think you got to take it though with a huge grain of salt because yes, it is a game experience, but this is not, I mean, Colorado state's defense looked horrible on Friday night and their offense, their offense didn't click on all cylinders like we saw it against Hawaii the previous week. So for the, the game film that you have and you, that you can break down. Yeah, it's a, it's a great tool, but I think you're going to see a much different Colorado Buffaloes team preparing for a team in Nebraska than you are for a team in Colorado State. I think that you have similar preparation, but you're planning for a much different opponent. You know, and Colorado has the game speed aspect under their belts, having played that one game. But I think a a much mental or a much more mental approach of breaking down film and having that in your back pocket, that, that to me, I mean, you, you can do that, but you're also banged up. You also go through the, the motions of playing and thinking about every little thing where you don't have a fresh mind towards the season. And I, I think that you can look at advantages and disadvantages from either direction. It just all depends on which team will, is going to show up on the field on Saturday and really how they play each other. That's that's where I think, and and we're not we as analysts we're not going to know until they get on the field on Saturday, and that's the the part that we can all speculate and and overthink and overanalyze. But <laughs> until until the clock hits hits those numbers and starts rolling, we're all just kind of it's all speculation. Jeff, I've yep. got one more question for you, but I was going to open it up to Haas in case he had anything else he wanted to uh, pick your brain about, be it uh, you know the, the Colorado Buffaloes or, or anything in college football. He's he's smarter than me, but uh, you know we we try not to we we try to keep a keep him on a short leash. So Haas, if you had anything else for Jeff, otherwise I've got one more question. Well, I was just going to ask, being as I'm an old line guy and. Well, I'm not going to mince words. Nebraska's O-line was the biggest weak point last year, along with that Bob Diaco defense. How's Colorado's interior defensive line? Um, I'm not, you know, admittedly, I'm not real familiar with what you guys run scheme-wise on the defense, you know, whether it's 3-4 or 4-3. But uh, is that interior defensive line for Colorado pretty experienced? It is. Uh, the The defensive base is a 3-4 but it's a hybrid three four with what I would what I referred to as a buff backer position. So you kind of have side. time being what was that? Kind of that weak side kind of hybrid player. Yeah, and one that will actually split time at safety and at the outside linebacker position. Mm-hmm. The interior is really good. You've got Rick Ambo on the inside, Nate Lamman also on the inside. Mustafa Johnson, who played lights out against 
Colorado State. He he's also there on that right defensive end, and on the left you have a, a true freshman in Israel Israel Antwine. Now I want you guys to remember this name because he's going to be a really good college football player. Israel Antwine, who decided to come to Colorado over Oklahoma State and actually got the starting nod over a senior as a true freshman. Absolutely crazy, but he has played well up to spec on that left defensive end spot. And on the internal, you you have a freak athlete in Drew Lewis who is 6'2", 225, senior, but he plays more like a he, – he, he can actually have that – physical intention to play more like a, a big 240 type guy and he he can play all the way around sideline to sideline and it, that's the unknown that I think a lot of Nebraska fans are wondering is how this defense is going to look and it's not a defense that has big names at this point I mean we're not looking at these guys as being on the All-American list or any of them making any national recognition, but I can tell you these guys are going to be known by season's end. Well, Jeff, uh, last last question that I had for you, um, you know, of course, Nebraska in, in 2021 and 2022 uh, has, you know, they're trying to renew these old rivalries, these old, uh, you know, Big 12, Big 8, so they got Oklahoma, and uh, of course, you know this weekend it's it's Colorado, and I, I believe next year is at Colorado. I, I think that's how they have set this up. But anyway, what what's your take on what I'm calling the nostalgia pop uh, games? You know, it's 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 the it's the games from you know a, a really a different time. You know, when when we were conference mates, conference rivals for decades. And and now we're coming back. Is is this is this a, a a game or a series that has Colorado fans really excited, or is there just? I mean, I know there's no love loss, but is it just one of those situations where it's like we got to put up with them damn Huskers again? <laughs> it, it's funny. I, I I'm friends with Daniel Graham, and I reached out to him before the game. The former tight end for the the buffs who went on to win three um super bowl rings with the new england patriots but i had asked him his thoughts on this rivalry and he laughed at me about uh, on two different conversations one being colorado state you know the fans of colorado state believe that colorado is rival and a lot of colorado fans laugh that off and say they're not our rival and it's the same case with Nebraska and Colorado. There are Nebraska fans who still don't believe that this is a rival when Colorado fans do. In fact, going back to the end of last season, you had a lot of Colorado fans looking forward to this matchup because it, it meant so much to them. And I would have liked to see this game played later in the season, more towards Thanksgiving, to bring back that true nostalgia of what it represented. And, you know, if I think it would have more of, it would carry more weight if you had both teams on the upswing. I I think what you had last year happened at Nebraska and last year happened at Colorado. You can't really make a perfect schedule and have a perfect storm to where you're having both teams firing off successfully. And maybe that will be, down the road for Nebraska and Oklahoma, maybe you see those two teams being ranked nationally and having more of that type of a, a this this game has a lot more meaning towards the college football playoff in that scenario. And that's where I think that I'd like to see the schedule being made. But even more so, to speak on a national level, I think when you have these type of games and when you look at them, I think that the schedule comes out way too early. You are way too, uh, yeah, way too early rather because you, you have a situation where you can kind of manipulate the schedule to get a better matchup. You know, the, the schedule comes out three, four years. That's a recruiting cycle. So you, you really don't know 
if a team is going to get punished by the NCAA, you really don't know the outlook and if the team's going to be on an upswing, you know, or if it even is going to draw any attention. So I, I think when you look at future matchups, even going two years in advance, I think that that's a, a good welcome to recruit a kid in and say, well, in two years we're playing Nebraska or we're in two years we're playing Ohio State or whoever is on the schedule and they can look at that and say, wow, you know, that, that's a game that I want to be involved in and rather than to say, oh, well, in four or five years, we're going to play, <laughs> we're going to play a marquee matchup with said team, but it, it's so far down the road that you're going to be either a fifth year senior or graduated by then that it's not even going to matter any. That's a good point. It's not ever, I never, you know, took that point of view with it as far as, you know, the, these, you know, distant, you know, contract game contracts or schedules that are, that are made up. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I mentioned Colorado in 2021, 2022, and that's, you know, like you said, they're, they're kids who may be in the program and out of the program before those games, or I say Colorado, I meant Oklahoma, but they're, uh, you know, kids who are going to be out of the program before that, rivalry ever has a chance to be renewed so i i I like i like the the two-year you know window of announcing you know in in a couple years we're going to play them you know in 2020 we'll we'll pick this rivalry back up i I like that uh that aspect of doing it because that does give kids who you're talking to about bringing in uh you know gives them something to look forward to rather than exactly like you said jeff well well, that's great. You know, it's 2025. I will hopefully be in the pros by then and not concerned about, you know, playing, you know, Texas or, uh, you know, Notre Dame or Florida or any, anything like that. So, um, Jeff, we really appreciate it. We're going to let you go. Uh, we really appreciate your time and, and your insight to the Colorado Buffaloes. And, and uh, I tell you, Husker fans are uh, foaming at the mouth for Saturday because we felt robbed uh, this past you know Saturday night, so uh, we apologize for all the frothing that that will be going on. Um, but uh, um, if you're in, if you tell any of your Colorado Buffalo fans who might be in the stadium, tell them to bring a towel because you don't want to get any uh, any slobber on them. So, well, I got one more question <laughs> that I got to ask. What Jeff? What's your favorite Nebraska Colorado moment? Oh, that's a tough one. My favorite. Uh, are we talking football or all time? Football, just any Colorado, Nebraska sporting event in general. The the whole the whole thing's open. Sidebar: Does it include oh. Indomitian Sioux? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I would say my my all time favorite. Uh, you guys are going to kill me for this. Sixty-two thirty-six for sure. I, I, I well, I, I remember the nostalgia around that game. You had the top-ranked Huskers coming into Boulder. Just the way that Colorado felt overlooked, and even in talking to Daniel Graham about that game and getting his thoughts this week. You know, he, he said one thing that really stuck out in my mind, and he goes, you know, the game was on ABC, and the announcers, even before the game, had said that, you know, that basically Nebraska was in the national championship, and they were, but it still didn't matter because we it was in a BCS era that uh, you remove the C, we all know what that is, and that is basically what happened at the end of that season, but then... Colorado loses to Oregon, and they kind of showed that it was an overhype altogether. So uh, that was a very particular game in the history of college football that I think will stick out for a while just because of the score. And Gary Barnett not letting off the gas when he knew that, hey, we've got these guys right where we want them, and we have the crowd right where we want them to. And that, that game was over from the first quarter on. And they just, in between Graham's touchdown that put them up by three scores, all the way to Chris Brown running it down that vaunted 
Huskers defense. I mean, there was no shortage of what was going to happen in that game. And I, I actually, I think that it was a good mark for both programs to, to show that Nebraska was very overrated that year and Colorado was very underrated that year. I definitely agree that we were overrated that year. I, I mean, and if Nebraska was to ever beat a top-ranked team like that, I, you know, it'd be my favorite moment too. So, uh, I have some bad memories of that game, though. <laughs> I will say this: if it's any consolation, in in talking to Tom Osborne about this rivalry, he said it was never a rivalry. He said that Colorado was never our rival, and it was always Oklahoma. So for for those who always say, you know, everyone has a rival, even if it's not yours. I guess that's the the theme that we should all look at. Yeah, I always viewed Colorado as a rivalry. I mean, many Thanksgivings, uh, you know, in my youth were basically consumed with how badly I wanted to beat Colorado the next day. So I, you know, granted, I'm from the younger generation, the Husker fans that didn't really see the Oklahoma rivalry, so... My opinion, Colorado's arrival, and I'm looking forward to renewing it, even if just for a few years, starting on Saturday. Well, Jeff, we appreci- I would agree. We we appreciate your time, and we thank you for joining us here on the Five Heart Podcast. And uh, where can people find you on social media? A reminder that they can, you know, if, if you know, for any friendly, friendly, we'll, we'll keyword friendly, but for any friendly banter, they can always check out the Ralphie report. But uh, Jeff, where can they find you on social media if they wanted to uh, interact with you there and and uh, be civil? That is the key word, civil, uh, for for you know the air quote uh, greatest fans in in college football um, who aren't so civil all the time. Uh, I can say that. But where can they find you on social media, Jeff? Uh, at Radio Hauser, and that's H A U S E R. All right, that but is- even. Even people who are uncivil, I welcome every <laughs> opinion. Well, it doesn't mean I have to listen, but I welcome it. Well, uh, that is Jeff Hauser, and we're going to take a quick timeout when we come back. Back by popular demand, John Dam Johnston is going to return just one week after. You know, he, he's you all wanted him back, and and he's going to come back and join us for a few minutes. Uh, to get you really geared up for Nebraska, Colorado. It is coming up next on the Five Heart Podcast. Hey everyone, Kevin Huntsberger here from my one two three cents the podcast and my one two three cents dot com. Every Monday, a new episode drops with the latest news and happenings in the world of professional wrestling. Head to the archives and listen to interviews with legends of the ring like Double J, Jeff Jarrett, Mick Foley, Kamala, and Dan the Beast Severin. Current superstars like Sheamus, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston have been part of the discussion, too. Again, it's my 123Cents, the podcast, a wrestling fan's perspective. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast, and we're joined now, as I mentioned before the break, wildly popular, backed by popular demand. I'm getting redundant in my old age. John Damn Johnston is here to shit on Colorado. That's that's a tall order. Wildly popular, huh? Well, oh, well, everybody, everybody was saying John needs to be a regular. John, okay. you want me to throw names at you of Colorado Buffaloes, and you can give us your commentary and editorial comments on each. No, because I won't. That's the thing is, I the names are hard. I was sitting here Very going through. Taken. I was. I'll be honest with you. I was sitting here going through old games. One of my favorites was 1992 when, you know, the both teams were like all like da-da-da-da-da and then we just beat the living snot out of them 52-7. to seven. And then I went on to two years later, the 1994 Colorado-Nebraska game, in which, get this, my brother-in-law, Doug, decided months before to get married that day. That's a horrible <sighs> idea. At St. Mary's Catholic Church, right next to the Capitol. This man must be destroyed. Okay, there's a whole story on this on our website that actually, actually I wrote and published uh, because 
in 2010, I had actually written it for a book that a friend of mine uh, wrote called Huskerville. Roger Aiden wrote that. He was a friend of mine in college. He was one of my college roommates. He's now a University of Ohio professor. But um, Doug decided to get married that day, and I, I asked him, you know, why did you pick that day? And he goes, this is the only date the church was open. <laughs> okay. So we didn't give him much crap because we figured Doug would never find a woman to marry him anyway. But uh, <laughs> and Doug, if you're listening, eh, you know, whatever. I'm but, sorry, uh, but here's the thing. At that time, when there was a woman called the Fabulous Sports Babe who did a syndicated radio show all across the United States. And she, she was a lot of fun, but she did this thing where she wanted people to nominate their Geek of the Week. And the, the Geek of the Week would have been whoever did the stupidest thing, maybe as a fan or a coach or something. Keep in mind, the Internet is really just, I think it might have been, well, people were just now getting Internet lines, right? So it wasn't a big, it wasn't a thing yet. Okay, so the day of the Geek of the Week nomination, I fax my nomination with Doug's name on it, right? To the fabulous sports babe, and Craig James reads it on the air. And he says, he five dead hookers in his trunk at that point. Oh my God, that is Craig James. I was thinking of Kirk Herbstreit. You're right, it was Craig James. That's how the story goes. But Craig James reads it on the air, and of course, you know, the fabulous sports babe is like, oh my God, you know, this is like, I mean, think of this now if this was on Twitter. We would all be going insane. What kind of person would do this? And then there would be wars. But, uh, you know, Doug got interviewed before the game, and I found out that, uh, the, you know, I called into ESPN College Game Day, and, and the fabulous sports babe and I pretty much jabbed Doug to death. And then uh, what I didn't find out is that the College Game Day crew was looking for us to come down to, the, to their thing before the game. And I had thought about going down there, but I was reminded as my duty as like a groomsman or whatever the hell I was. Uh, that I would stay clean and proper, and so I didn't go. I.e. sober? Well, that possibly, you know, I don't know. But <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I've, got, I've got one, well, yeah, pretty much one little story. Last year, you know, the 2017 football season, um, two of my wife's coworkers had Saturday – evening weddings and i went to the first one with her it that was the night of the oregon game and so of course come home dvr and the other one was the wisconsin game and i'm like i really don't i, I said based on based on the uh, uh you know interaction because like we went to the first one and i never met the bride or groom like they didn't come over and say hey thanks for coming anything else like that and uh, so the second one, I'm like, you you go have fun. I'll stay here with the kid. And you know, I think it's supposed to be a you know a you know keep your kids at home. This is a you know open bar type of event. And I stayed home and watched the Wisconsin game. Caught so much shit for it for putting football ahead of you know going out with the wife. So uh, needless to say, when another wedding came up in January, I was there. Well, that's January. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it didn't matter. I mean, the, the game. Here's the thing: the game started at like one thirty. His wedding was at four. Oh, so by the time I mean that game was supposed to be like this smashing of two giant, you know. But really, what had happened was uh, Nebraska's defense smashed Cordell Stewart, if I remember correctly, into the ground. And, and by the time the wedding started, we knew that the, you know, we kind of knew what was going on. But here's the deal: as we walk out of the church. We're right next to the state capitol. So we turn as we're coming because we're the groom, you know, we're the wedding party. We come out of the church and we turn and look, and here is hundreds of fans carrying a goalpost <laughs> to the steps of the state capitol. And I'm like, I'm not standing here shaking people's hands. So we're off with the, you know, we're all, we all had these, uh, we, they didn't have the styrofoam uh, corn heads then they had these really bizarre kind of like what was the Saturday night live skits with 
We are from France. The Coneheads. Cone heads. No, that that's was, what they it was were. the Coneheads, yeah. Yeah, but it, it had a corn thing. You know, it looked like corn. So we had those on. We're all dressed in tuxedos. People are taking our pictures. And Doug and Sarah, who got married that day, had their photo taken with, uh, you know, and them in full wedding regalia uh, on the steps of the state capitol with a goalpost. Do you have a picture of this? I do. Can we put it up as the picture for the uh, podcast when we publish it? We probably we probably could, yes. Hell yes. And, and not only that, I've I've pulled up the link on the coronation page. So if you want to deep dive and and, and read about this, uh, I'll have it linked, so you can go back and and read the read the whole story. Uh, it it it's phenomenal. Uh, it, by the way, the the title of the story. Now this is from 2010. Uh, the road to the 1994 Nebraska Colorado game: a wedding, a goalpost, and cornheads in tuskedo in tuskedos tuxedos. So I'll have that linked uh, uh, available. And yeah, uh, ribbon ribbon down both goalposts is not something that uh, happens too often in at Memorial Stadium. Uh, or, or, I guess. I mean, does it happen really anywhere anymore? No, no liability no. and lawyers got in the way of that. No, you know what. I, I'll tell you what, uh, you go try to rip a goalpost down now. You, you couldn't. You couldn't do it with a tank. I think I was out on the field when Iowa State beat us, and next to that goalpost, and they, I mean there was cops spraying paper with pepper spray. This is off track, but I mean those things now they're like, I think they're putting the ground like four hundred feet or something. That's possible. Uh, it seems like a reasonable, reasonable depth. But here's the, here's the thing. I was going along fine through my Colorado-Nebraska memories, and I was getting prepared to go, oh, those Colorado buffaloes that shouldn't even be called buffaloes, they should be called bison because buffaloes live in other parts of the world. What we have in this country are bison. But again, some stupid – some stupid person in Colorado said, "No, we're the buffaloes." I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know, it's Ralphie the Bison. Anyway, the, uh, the the voice that that you used to say uh, that buffaloes are in other parts of the world. I imagine that you you know you had the the tape around your glasses and you were pushing them because like there are buffaloes in other parts of the world. We have bison. So anyway, that that's. That's my tangent. Um, but you're right. It should be. Can we wow. just. I mean, I thought you were. I was going on fine. And then I got to the game. You know, one. I, I thought you were making fun of them. That's all. Not um, thinking about it. That 2001, 62 to 36 debacle from which we never recovered. That. Game. Don't put that in. I, before you called me, I've been coughing and, and trying to maintain my health like our football program. I started in my living room, and then I went out to the garage because my wife told me to leave our house. <laughs> and then I went to my neighbor's house, and I said, I've got to see if we can do anything in this game. And then, and then I'm screaming at their TV. And my neighbor's mother is there, and she says magic words to me. That literally, any time anybody says them to me, I just I go into some frenzy. At least I used to when I was younger. Maybe I don't as much now. But she says, "It's just a game," oh, fuck. which oh, fuck. was an explosion of profanity and torrent <laughs> that I didn't even know I was capable of. And I love this woman, and we're still very good friends. And I just... So they told me to leave their house, at which point my neighbor, Tim, walked with me around the neighborhood. As we said, there's a reason you're back by popular demand. Don't ever change, John. The thing thing with Tim is, years later, because he was a Vikings fan, I had to walk him around the neighborhood after what the Vikings lost 41 to nothing to the Giants. 
as he literally walked up and banged on everyone's door and asked them what was going on. As in, <laughs> why are the Vikings lose? There's people opening their doors and they're like, Tim just, uh, go away. And they're like, we know. Why we heard screaming and crying all over the neighborhood that day. Anyway. But no, we've never recovered. Thing is, well, is Colorado, Colorado, I mean, if you look at their records since that game, I mean, at least we've had, you know, nine and three seasons and we, you know, we were in a title game and their, their records since then look like I, a lot of little people. Can you say midgets anymore? Is that like kind of <laughs> insulting? But I mean, literally like three and nine, four and six, you know, tiny little people. If they had a height on them. They'd be some of the shortest people on this planet. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I love it. How well, much do you hate Eric B. Enemy? I always thought it was funny when they, you know, because they, when he was the enemy. I don't hate anybody. I'm a man of love. That McCartney yes. feller, though. Oh, do tell. Do tell. Certainly. You know, with his better dead than red shit or whatever it was, he was just a, you know, I don't know. He was a mouthy son of a bitch. Still is. Yeah, I guess so. I bet you and him would be friends, though. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you and him would be friends. What the hell does that mean? You're both angry old men. <laughs> I, I, I'd kill that son of a bitch in his sleep. <laughs> I wonder if I have to edit that part out. I wouldn't even let him know it was coming. I'd just like, yeah, good night, Bill. Goodbye, you son of a bitch. Uh, for for for, I'll ask this while we're while we're recording for legal reasons. Do I need to edit that part out? Probably. Right. I think you should. Let me. I'll say this. I'd allegedly kill him in his sleep. <laughs> Okay, OJ. Oh, jeez. Um, John. Orenthal John Johnston. Don't wow. Ever, don't ever change. Okay, are we talking about the game or are you guys doing that? We we talked about the game. We we talked. We had a nice conversation with uh, uh, someone from the Ralphie Report um, who said that, uh, you know, they, they – Haas, it, I mean, they've got some talent. Uh, you know, they – Played a, an underwhelming, uh, you know, CSU team, and Colorado State's defense looked like it was coached by Bob Diaco. Maybe it was. He's got to have a job. He's got to work somewhere, right? He's at Oklahoma. Okay, well, maybe still it was. they had they had a guy that had 211 receiving yards. That's impressive. Oh, Eight, flush. 89 of those were were on a uh, one play. I don't know if that matters. No, it just means he's explosive. Yeah, I guess you know. I, if you're playing against high school kids, maybe it's not that big a deal. But we don't know anything. We know nothing about ourselves. We know less than we did last week. We know nothing. No, no, no. We know that we can execute a touchback properly. We're one yeah, for we one can on get touchbacks. eleven guys on the field. That's a big deal. <laughs> I, <laughs> the confidence is rising. Uh, but let's let's talk about that because because we just gl- uh, kind of glanced over it in our conversation with Jeff uh, from the Ralphie Report. But what's going through your guys' mind as you know the the lightning hits and and weather reports are not looking good? I mean, I saw plenty of you know conversation in the Slack chat room and on Twitter that said, "Hey, if they you know two a.m. football, that that's great. Let's do two a.m. football." I I mean, realistically, two a.m. football is probably not the best but what were you guys thinking as, as everything was unfolding uh i quit drinking coors banquet beer and put on a pot of coffee and uh uh it'll be 30 minutes and then when the second delay came in i was thinking it'll be 10 o'clock and then abandon all hope ye who enter here past 10 o'clock um then the announcements came out and i was pumped for 10 30 a.m football on sunday morning i was rare to go and got taken away from me within 10 minutes got taken away from all of us it was a travesty and we should put that on terry bowden it's all his fault all his fault 
I'm but, fine uh, with that. It was disappointing because that was the uh, – I think Tunnel Walk of Shame put it best when they said it was a statewide case of blue balls. <laughs> that – yeah. Uh, I was thinking, gee, I've drank a fair amount of beer and I'll never make it if – what? Why are they doing this to us? That's pretty yeah. much all. God, I think, you, I think you guys knew that I was kind of uh, freaking out a little bit about the beginning of the Scott Frost era. A little bit. It's all on you. Yeah, see that? See that? You brought the lightning, John Damn Johnson. Are you Zeus? We'll see. Well, I... what's going to happen this week? Oh, God. Don't. Uh, I will lose my fucking shit. <laughs> if something happens with this game. I the the only thing I I could think of and this is, you know, a play on words more than anything, you know, a, a pun if you will, but that atmosphere at Memorial Stadium Saturday night was so electric that lightning was, you know, uh, uh, was the only effect, you know, of, of the cause of of that crowd, that capacity crowd at Memorial Stadium. Uh the energy was insane. Uh, the the tunnel walk, at least Fox's version of the tunnel walk, was the drizzle and shits. Um, but you know, it just everything that you heard, you know, people who were in the stands, and I've got uh, friends who are going to be at the game this, uh, you know, this weekend against Colorado, uh, making their way from you know Western Nebraska, making that trip over. Uh, but you know, everybody said that you know the. Everybody seemed to be having a good time in the stadium. They just, you know, to to uh, quote Ario Speedwagon, riding the storm out, and um, that, that that storm just uh, kept going. It's it's really unfortunate, but uh, you know, we it, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they'll try to play a game, you know, a twelfth game at the end of the season if they're not in the conference championship. I don't know. Nobody knows at this point. So um, all I know is that Saturday is almost upon us. The Frost era, we'll see it in its, you know, uh, totality, if you will. 2.30 is the kickoff central time, Nebraska and Colorado. Uh, we're going to get out of here. This has been a long show. And, uh, Haas, you got some final thoughts? Nebraska 41, Colorado 30. John, any bold predictions? Well, I'll say we go into this game over-anxious like we even have more to prove than we did last week. Colorado goes up early, 14 to nothing. Everybody starts freaking out. And then uh, Nebraska comes back and wins a, a, a much better football game than anybody expects but uh, and much closer, 28 to 24. I'm going to say I, I, I don't necessarily agree that Nebraska gets down two scores uh, at you know, to, to start things off, uh, they might trail early. They might. I'm not saying they will, but they might. But I'm going to say that they're going to uh, put 35 up and uh, uh, keep Colorado to 24. I'm going to say 35-24. Now, if I remember that for the uh, uh, game predictions thread the, or, or, you know, article that will circulate and be on coordination.com, then that would be fantastic. I probably won't. But I'm still – I'm sticking with 35-24, big red. and. Oh. Uh, Oh, you you dropped out. Sorry. Oh, I I just said thirty five twenty four is what I'm sticking with. Uh, that's going to be my score, and uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, again, we appreciate Jeff Hauser from the Ralphie Report to joining us to talk a little bit about the Colorado Buffaloes. We're going to try to do that every week. Uh, you'll be hearing uh, from somebody from the SB Nation site of, of that team. So, uh, you know, of course, this week is. Colorado last week it was canceled that's probably why the game was canceled mother nature's like shit if we can't get these podcasters together we're not even going to have the damn game uh, so that's probably why the Akron game was canceled uh, but we got Jeff on so that means that the game is going to uh, game is going to go forward Nebraska is going to win and then uh, we'll turn our attention to Troy nope Troy yeah that's right uh, and we'll Troy t- Bill? hmm Troy Bill no, isn't it, isn't it Troy that we play next week? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Troy's all right. All right. I, I, man, I, I'm getting old. Not a, not quite John old, but I'm getting old. I don't I don't need anybody messing with my damn brain. Uh, John, how was it to go to high school with Methuselah from the Old Testament? Oh, my God. Let's end this show. <laughs>
That'll do it for the Five Heart Podcast. Make sure that you uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I recommend iTunes or Podbean. That's just me. Uh, you can, of course, get the, the streaming audio on Coronation through the Stitcher uh, player. You can also uh, listen to it on jitterymonkey.com. Make sure that you hit up all of our social medias. Throw us a follow. Uh, for myself, Greg Mahachko, for my co-host, Hoss Reuter, and for our fearless leader, John Dam Johnston, we remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the hearts you need. John? Go Big Red. Win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.